Hi, this is Matt Joe Gow, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Karam, tune in. Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast. A real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest is a mother of three children, one of whom was diagnosed with severe autism some 36 years ago. From the age of one, her eldest was different from other children and she tirelessly searched to find out what was wrong and after four years was told he was autistic. During this time, she left her addicted husband and found herself alone with little or no support. Feeling raged, loneliness, exhausted, overwhelmed, confused, disconnected and stressed, she had to support her children emotionally and financially. She worked 15-hour days and nights until one day, after being sexually harassed by her boss, she decided that she couldn't continue living the life she was living and sought help. This is part one of her journey. Part two will follow next week, so keep listening. Graciella, how are you? Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Claire, for having me here. Thank you so much. No, it's fine. It's it's fine. Look, wow, crikey. Um, I've just gone through the intro and everything that you've been through. Tell us, tell us about this. Um, you know what you've been through with your eldest son, and and what went on, how, what your journey was with him, because it. I mean, I've only briefly touched on a few things, but like, it sounds like a hell of a roller coaster. I can tell you a little bit from the beginning, in reality, because everything has started from the beginning. Wow. Oh. So, so when did you when did you first notice that he wasn't? quite the same as some of the other children? Actually, when he was one year old. I I was pregnant by that time with my second son, Federico. And I say, oh, he needs some stimulation. He needs to do something. He's by himself all the time with me. So I decided to take him to a kindergarten, a kind of play group, you know, and he wasn't playing with any kids. He was at the corner, sitting, played by himself and nothing. He wasn't interacting. So suddenly, uh, the teacher and a psychologist, they said to me, uh, I think he's not deaf because he can hear us. However, he's not interacting anytime with anyone. And I thought, here is something wrong. So I started to read. By that time, internet, you have to think about Martin is turning 40 in five weeks. 
So by that time, internet didn't exist. So yeah. I needed to go to the library to seek some understanding what, what was happening. The doctor didn't say to me, he said, oh, he's growing quite well. We don't know what is happening with him, blah, blah. So I start to seek, um, to go to library and trying to read and read and read. So there I discovered autism. Yeah. I didn't know. Autism oh, no, for me was, didn't exist. Yeah. And also, like you said, there's no internet. Like we can't Google. Like when 30, it's 36 years ago. So like. No, that was. That was, yeah. It would have been 39 longer. years. Yeah. So like 39 years ago, there was no, it was only just being born. Gosh. So, and all the characteristic, characteristic of him was ticking boxes, mm. you know. Mm. So I mentioned to the psychology of this place, they have like a big kindergarten and a psychologist there. And she said, you don't have any idea the words you are saying at the moment. Because when I say to her, I think my son is autistic. She thought that I was totally not. Wow. So anyway, by that time, I was having problems with my husband. So I used to go to a psychologist. And my psychologist used to have a colleague who was a, a psychologist for, uh, for children. And I said, please, I beg you, I would like her. Can you ask help? I need her to stimulate my son, Martin. And they say, no, he's too little. He's only one year old. No, no, no. I, I begged so much. After like a four or five months begging then, eh, the lady decided to start stimulating Martin. Uh, they didn't know. They say maybe he has emotional shock or something. Uh, they didn't know what he was having. So anyway, to tell the story short, from that time, my journey started with him. I started to go to psychology. I started to go to neurology, psychiatry, everything that I can touch, I was taking him against my husband's will. Wow. He didn't want. He didn't want me to do that. So it was very, very hard for me. So you basically didn't have any support from your husband. And then were you, were you then waiting for your husband to go off to work to then take your child to all of these different appointments and things? And, and were these appointments costing so you any money at the time? Money. I wasn't oh money. Oh, my gosh. But it was a lot of money because you have to think about mental illness wasn't covered by that time. No way. It was only for rich people, mental illness. <laughs> well, exactly. But no, but really the, the tests and things like that regarding autism now, ADHD, all of those sort of things has improved so much. Like 39 years ago, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't aware of any autism or anything like that or you know there was you know we just didn't have it ADHD didn't really you I didn't know anyone at school who was had ADHD and stuff like that 
So, wow, wow. And so, so what did you do? You were just, you were just begging people to test him exactly. and like, were there any tests at the time? Uh, by that time, one of the most famous person in Argentina said to me, he was two years and a half. He said, I think he has an emotional block. That's it. That was his diagnosis. Nobody was telling me nothing. He was a neurologist, very well known there. Number one in Argentina by that time. So anyway, I continue and continue. By that time, I got uh, I separated from my husband. My situation with him was very hard to live with because he was addicted to morphine. Wow, he so was. Uh, so not only living with a autistic child and I suppose by then so an autistic child who wasn't diagnosed so you didn't really have any solutions or any you know you didn't know what was wrong as such I suppose by then you also had son number two and dealing with your addicted husband it was not which is yes sorry to interrupt Claire but it was nine that Martin used to hit his head against the, the wall and my husband sick because of all of the medication he used to put inside his body. So looking after my son, looking after the him, and looking after the poor little one that he was beautiful. Federico was oh beautiful, and he used to look at his brother during the night in his coat how he was hitting himself on the wall on the on the window. So I didn't used to sleep at all. So I I couldn't leave. So I decided to separate from him. I took him to court and it was very hard because he didn't want to leave the house either. So anyway, to make a story short, um, my husband, obviously, because he didn't want to get uh, separated, he didn't support me financially. So I needed to work more and more and more. Oh my gosh. I was by myself with two years old, two years and a half in Martin, and only 30 months, Federico. Wow. So thank God I have a father that he was financially okay. So he helped me with the house and to bring some, some food to the table. Because all of the treatment that Martin was having by that time, taking to the occupational therapy, to the psychology, everyone to try to stimulate him was costing me fortune. So it was every penny that I was earning, it was going to his therapist. And you were and you were working as well at the time, were you? So your youngest child who was 13 months. What, where did he go? Did he go with family? or He, he used to go to a kindergarten oh, wow. the corner. And by, when he was two, he used to say to me, Mom, don't worry about me. You go to work and earn a lot of money. And he was so sweet. Shame, what a cute Don't kid. worry. I do remember he was so little, you know. It was so beautiful to see. It's like I can see him saying to me that. <laughs> and and then your eldest son, was he going to kinder as well while you were working? He was going to the kinder, 
in the meantime, I was working and I used to have a housekeeper as well. Oh, okay. okay. So I used to have someone at home. Wow. And, and were you doing like just the one job or did you have several jobs or what were you, how were you? Uh, by that time, I used to have two, two jobs. Then wow. I will tell you later because I ended up having three jobs at some time to maintain my life. You know, because it was very expensive, obviously. Every treatment for Martini was expensive. So I started to travel around Argentina to find an answer. And I went, people were coming from Brazil, from France, and I was visiting all of the therapists. They were coming from everywhere. And when Martin turned four, I went to, our, to Buenos Aires, the capital of Argentina. I wasn't living there. I was living 1,200 kilometers away. So, um, and I went to see a neurology and psychiatrist. So this doctor said to me, your son is autistic. The moment he said, your son is autistic, even though I knew as a mother instinct, I knew he was. I was in such a shock. Wow. I was suddenly I was as autistic as Martin. I left the office, his office, and really I started walking, walking with Martin. I do remember what kind of clothes he was wearing. I, I remember like it's today. So this is 36 years ago. I started to walk and walk and walk. We cross avenue. We were almost run over by car because I didn't know where I was. I was totally lost. We walk and walk and walk. This beautiful boy next to me by, uh, holding my hand. And the night came and really, it was, I was in shock. I was by myself, totally in shock, totally lost angry, saying to myself, why me? Why why him? Why us? Yeah, I can, yeah. He was such a beautiful, gorgeous boy. And I knew that this was going to be forever, a challenge forever. Because he was getting was he? worse. He wasn't getting better. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and like, yeah, I, I can imagine it would have been a shock. I suppose you were living with it for those three odd years until he was four, until he actually got that diagnosis. But you, you just weren't sure in your head until somebody actually said it to you, and then you just went through all of those different emotions. And it's funny you should say that because I've spoken to a couple of parents who have autistic children on the on the podcast, and they are very their reaction was very similar to yours. Like, why me? What What have I done wrong? Have I done something wrong? Have I, it, was it my diet? Was it where I lived? Was it my environment? Um, was it my partner? You know, what What was the reason that my son or my daughter, um, are, you know, why are they autistic? Is it something I've done? You By that time, you have to think about, that they used to say that autistic kids come, they 
they have autism because the mother is not connected to, to the child the minute they are born. So the kill, my kill was huge, huge. Then they started to investigate a little bit more, blah, blah, blah. But by that time, autistic kids from a totally disconnected mom. The mom, yes. And the moment I, I received the diagnosis, the diagnosis was the moment I totally disconnected to my, from myself. That is the difference. It was totally the opposite, you know. Exactly. And all the time, all the time up to the diagnosis, all you were doing was fighting for your child. So how you could be disconnected from him, that's just an insane reasoning, yeah. isn't it? So the journey started, the city where I live, it was a small city, it wasn't the capital. So all of the treatment, it wasn't in one place. So I have to take to the psychology, to the occupational therapy, to the music therapy, to everything. And it was a nightmare. So my father by that time built a beautiful house for me to live in with my children. Beautiful. He, he went into debt for me to build that beautiful house. Wow. I live only six months there, but I decided I cannot live here. This is not good for me. It's not good for my child. My family and my friends, they were started, started to be distant from me because it was so hard to deal with my situation. Martin was very apparative, full on, and they couldn't, they couldn't see me. And neither him suffering the way that he. So the, the people started unconsciously started to distance from us. So I was feeling more isolated. So I decided to go to Buenos Aires to live. And I rented the beautiful house my father built. And I rented for three quarters of the value of that house. I rented a, an apartment in Buenos Aires to seek help, a treatment for him in one place. So, and that, that means that I needed to find a job to pay for all of the bills as well. So I was covered with the rent of my house. I was covered for the hospital, but I needed to leave. So, and my father wasn't happy with my decision. My family wasn't happy with my decision because they, my father went into death for me and then I decided to leave. So anyway, I found a shop, a fantastic shop, said that everything comes, you know, the universe sent to you. When you are in a dark hole, believe me, when you believe that things are going to happen, happen. I found a fantastic show yeah. that it was only seven blocks from, from my house. So it was fantastic. I was earning good money, but I had to work long hours to earn those good money. Wow, yeah. So I used to go nine o'clock to work and come back at seven o'clock home. And I, t I used to take one son to uh, kindergarten, the other son to the hospital, and, and me to work and from work. They used to give me lunch time to go to pick up my son for kindergarten to take to the, they used to have a kindergarten to look after the employee. 
children. Oh, so it was okay. fantastic. So he was from 12 to 7. Federico was from 12 to 7. And Martin was in the hospital. But the hospital uh, finished at uh, 1 or 2 o'clock. So I have to pick up him, bring home. So to have some occupational therapy at home to look after him until I was coming back. Oh I said gosh. that was costing me fortune. Lots of money and lots of juggling, though, because and like... Two children and like, yeah, no, definitely. Thank God it was all close this distance because Buenos Aires is huge. It's mm. a huge, but I was blessed by that. I was blessed by that. So, and even Martin, I do remember he used to uh, stand up in front of the clock. At the time, it was supposed to me to come back from work. Shame. He was Shame. So- so you were in a big city, so it'd be like going from, I don't know, Melbourne to Sydney, basically. We had no family and you were, you had the two children. One was a autistic baby or boy or toddler, really, a toddler now. Your other son, uh, did your other son have any autism or anything oh, like no. that? No. So your other son was, was fine. Yeah. And, and there's you working to pay to live and bring food in as well as pay all the medical bills and things like that as well. But that really wasn't like your journey still. I mean, that wasn't like a bed of roses and everything happy because like your eldest son started to get older and what started to happen when he started to get older? Uh, Yes. Thank you for asking. Uh, um, He was starting to get more aggressive. He's non-verbal severely. He was considered the second most severe case in Argentina by that time. So he was oh, full on, hardly able to handle. To the point they used to call me every time I work to come to, to pick him up because they couldn't handle him. Wow. So doubly hard for they you. They couldn't have. So I was so, uh, I was continuously disturbed by the, the institute he used to go, the hospital he used to go, because then he started to change because nobody was coping with him. So I need to change him from one place to the next to the next. It was a nightmare. Mm. I was living like a zombie, like a ghost, because it was one problem after the other, after the other, after the other. I wasn't smiling. I was totally depleted, angry, feeling guilty of everything, totally disconnected to me and totally disconnected. I used to take the kids to the every uh, um, activity, I was like a zombie. I was living by default. I need to do this. I was doing. I was working as well. By that time also, I was studying to get promoted Mm. to earn more money because the cost of living was so high over there. So It was just relentless. It sounds to me as though it was relentless and there was just no break for you. There was just no like... Because because did the did the children see their dad at all? No. Did the children? No, 
because because of his addiction and things was, like that. So you had the children 24-7. He was in that bad stage that the, his mother and his sister, they knew where I was living, but they, they, they weren't telling him because he was kind of danger by that time. So, yeah. 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 So, so there was no break for you. There was no like going, oh, I'm going to have a couple of hours to myself because the only chance you got to have to yourself was when you were working, I suppose, because which is very much like um, a lot of single mums. I mean, me included in the fact that, um, you know, I get time to myself when my son's at school because other than that, I have him 24-7 now. So, yeah, yeah. I Apart from play dates. So son number one, your eldest yeah. son, um, he basically um, was going to various different places, but they couldn't handle him and they were experienced in dealing with autistic children. Yes. But they couldn't handle exactly. him. Exactly. Exactly. So you were then having to move him to somewhere else that was experienced and they couldn't handle it. I always was constantly looking for someone to handle my pain. Wow. All the time, because nobody was able to handle him. It was very hard. It was very hard. And by that time, also, I was harassed by my boss sexually. Okay. So I thought, this is enough. I don't know. Yeah, just all of that, that just on top of everything else. It's just like, so how did you deal with that as well? Because, like, you know, you're needing this work, you're needing a job to pay for everything, to put food on the table. You're managing stuff with your eldest son being moved from institute or, you know, yeah, institute to institute because they couldn't deal with and handle him. And he's also growing right so he's getting bigger and bigger and bigger because he's not a small man is he i mean he's a man now he's 40 he, he so, was very tall all the time yeah. he was taller than they are uh, the kids his age always always taller so it was getting very 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 hard for me so i started even though my money i used to hardly have any money left so and I thought I cannot seek a therapy for myself. All the money goes to Martin, you know, or for us to eat. I decided, no, I'm going to do something for myself. I cannot continue this way. I need support. I am totally alone in this. I was feeling so lonely. Yeah, well, exactly. Oh, my goodness. So I thought, what can I do? So the only way I found, I started to trying to find a therapist and it was very expensive, very expensive. Because now it's, we can afford better today. Believe yeah. me, by that time, it was, everything was very expensive. So I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is to eat once a day. And all of the money I saved, in eating is going to go to my I lost 12 kilos. Oh my God. I was so skinny. I was like a stick because I never was bigger. So I was so skinny that people, they, they, 
thought that I was an orexic. You oh know, gosh. I was so skinny dealing with the kids and working full time and eating, hardly eating anything. I was hardly eating anything because all of the food, all of the money of the food was going to the therapist. But believe me, after three months, I was promoted. Give me, look, give me a good span to think again. <laughs> I was promoted. I made the effort. I thought, I need something for me. I need to look after me. I need to do something because I cannot deal with the kids. I cannot deal with all of what is happening. Anyway, I was promoted. I was able to be come back to eat. I was able to pay for my therapy. So I, I was so committed to look after myself. Yeah. And I started to think, oh my goodness. Now I understand. Now I understand. When Martin got the diagnosis, the first that should have sought help, it was me. No immediately seek help for him. Because all of the treatment that Martin was getting, he was going down the drain. Because his mother wasn't okay. Me, it wasn't, I wasn't okay. So from the minute I started to be supported, to have some help, not to feel so lonely, so angry, with so much resentment, so frustrated, I started to improve. However, Martin's behavior was getting worse and worse and worse. I was able to connect with him because he started to look at my eyes. Believe me, he, from, yeah. until that time, Martin wasn't looking at my eyes. And when I used to talk to him, he was always looking around, but I'm never to around. My and suddenly he discovered me. And he looked at me. Because, because you'd gone and got therapy and looked after yourself and sort of you then were um, in a place where you could help him as such and you weren't just surviving. Good, good. Well, very well put it, Claire. I wasn't surviving anymore. I was very connected. And I was more in tune with my heart. And I was, and, and I look at him. I do remember we were on the floor. And he suddenly did this and look at my eyes. Wow. It was like a, a full connection. Yeah. It yeah. was a beautiful connection. So he, he continued with treatment. He was getting more aggressive, getting more aggressive with his, uh, all his uh, uh, kids that they were receiving some treatment as well. Because was he, st was he at home with you still? Like he was still staying yeah. at home with he you, was. like at night and things like that and all of those sort yeah. of things? Yeah. Okay. And Federico was losing his hair. So one day with the, uh, I decided to take him to the dermatologist to yeah. find out what was happening that, happening that yeah, he, was he was losing, losing his, his hair. hair. And he said to me, Federico was only eight years old. And he said to me, mom, 
Can we go to cafe coffee after the doctor? Yes, yes, no problem. Let's go to the, we, we can go for, go for your coffee. And we went. We left the doctor and we went half block. I do remember today as well. And we went to have a coffee with him. And he said, what would you like to have, mom? And I say, I want a coffee. Um, can I ask for a Coke and a toast sandwich? Yes, go ahead. He was only eight. So he was like a man ordering to the waiters, can you bring a coffee for my mom and a Coke and a, a toast sandwich for me? It was, he was beautiful. And he started to say to me, mom, I want to know. <laughs> Bring me a lot of emotion. He said, Ma, Martin is going to recover. No is he going to get better? And he said, Mom. I need time with you. Because he felt that you were you were using all of your time to try and look after his elder brother. And he he didn't resent that, but he really just wanted time with you. And he was happy for you to look after his elder brother if he was going to get better. But if he was just going to stay as he was or get worse then he wanted some of your time as well. Uh, I say to him, he may be get a little bit better, but never is going to be like you. Yeah. And he said to me, Mom, whatever you think about he, leaving him in some place a little bit longer, the day I come from the school earlier, so you can be with me. He was organizing all of this. It wasn't coming yes. from me. <laughs> that is what brings me sadness. So because it wasn't coming from me. It was coming from yeah. him. Yeah. In, in fact, it almost seems, when you're, when you're telling me, it almost seems like he'd had to grow up quickly because of your situation and circumstance. Oh. Because his brother had autism you know, you were working lots. He basically was like, right, well, I need to become the man of the house as such. I need to take on and help mum because, you know, my brother, you know, we've got my brother and, you know, I love my brother, but like we have to look after him because he can't look after himself or he thinks about things differently to how I do. And therefore we need to just make sure he's safe and, you know, doesn't put himself at harm. Incredible. He was uh, incredible. So uh, he organized and said, I will can I can have um I can try. I don't promise you. I will I will give it a try. And he said, and one night maybe we can go out as well together to have dinner together. So Friday was our night together and I planned someone to look after my so I always was trying to find ways, you know, because I was looking after my, my children by myself without any family close by. My family was living 1,200 kilometers away. So, yeah, exactly. And also, I think I don't think people actually understand the challenges of having an autistic child as well, because it, it's like you don't feel like 
you can take them. Like it's not like you can take your child out to a restaurant and <gasps> sit down and have a normal a normal meal with them. I mean, talk to me, talk to me about those sort of situations. Like what what was it like actually having your eldest son and like going shopping or I mean, could you oh, do that? Impossible. Go shopping, impossible. When we used to go to the go out to the street sometime, he used to get so overwhelmed by the noise of the cars, oh, but yeah. all of that that he started to pull up of my hair or drag me to the floor, you know, or, or beating me, you know, because he couldn't cope with the noise and with everything, with the, all of the people in the city. So it was very stressful. Just like too overwhelming too for overwhelming. him and therefore. So would you then, so how would you get through, how would you get through doing normal and I say normal things, but how would you get through shopping? Because there's no like, there's no click and collect where you are, is there? There's no it wasn't like by that time. There was no ordering, ordering online and getting it delivered, so you didn't have to go shopping. Like you'd still have to go to the shops. You'd still have to do stuff like that. So how did you get? How did you get through with all of that? I was lucky because uh, in Argentina you can't have housekeepers, so the housekeeper oh, of used course. to do that. Yeah. So I was lucky with that. So she used to go to, to do all the shopping because I couldn't go to shopping with him. So I was staying all the time with him. However, me trying to find out things, I started to take Federico to play golf, to start learning to play golf, because I thought, oh, this is a good way where we can be in open line with both of them. So I started to take Federico to, to practice golf, then to take both of them to a golf course, to a very far away one that where no, no hardly anybody used to go to that uh, golf course because it was too far. It was new, not many people knew it about this golf course. So I used to take Federico and Martin. Okay. So Federico used to hit, I used to hit my ball. I used to make Martin to sit down, hit, and then continue. And he was a little bit calmer yeah. there. He used to have some meltdown there, but they weren't as often as it. So it was the only way we could enjoy something outdoor yeah. because we couldn't enjoy anything. It was always me looking for places where nobody was around, where I could be with both of them. But it was very sad. Well, I, that was it. I, so I was going to ask you, you know, like what did you do at weekends and when you weren't working? Inside like, the house. Yeah. Because you could Most of the, and um, Federico was taken by other mothers. Oh, okay. They always invite him. Yeah. Always, always, yeah. always. He's still friend with the same friend since he was five wow. years old. So he's still, and the mother, they were so kind with him. But I was inside the house with Martin all the time. All the time. Until I discovered way to, where to go with him that it wasn't so much stimulation and he could cope with this. So 
But even though he was getting taller, he was one meter, uh, one ninety. Wow! So he was so tall, and the strength of a King Kong it was so. <laughs> oh yeah, because like at the end of the day, like he's becoming a teenager. Like I mean, it's you know, I mean, you, you know, autistic children you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, they start to grow up and they start to become autistic adults. And he is now an autistic adult. So that's a whole different challenge because, well, you know, I, I'm, I've only ever seen you sitting down, but I don't know how tall you are. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, you know, as a mother, you're then dealing with an adult man who potentially is having a meltdown because of is he's you know over oversensitized by noise or by people or whatever and like that must have been very difficult and very hard for you to actually deal with like I mean you know it's not too bad when they're like three four or five six seven even maybe but then when they start to get a lot older and a lot bigger and they're the same height as you and then they're taller than you and they're bigger and they're stronger than you I mean how did you deal with that then? It was getting worse and worse what I haven't uh, told that by the age of 11 he needed to be medicated because nobody was hoping oh. with him against me because I don't like medication at all. I never took any Panadol, any, anything. I coped with everything. What The way I coped with myself, it was I learned meditation. Once I sought help, I, I learned how to meditate, how to create a space for myself. The bathroom, it was my sanctuary, my bathroom. No, I can, yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. It was the place where I used to cry, I, the place where I used to breathe. The only place, because Martin was going to my, my room everywhere, where he didn't used to go, it was to the bathroom to bother me. So it was the only place. And really, uh, he started to be medicated by 11 years old, but by 14, the medication wasn't helping him either. So everyone was telling me, please, you need to find a place for him. You cannot go, you cannot continue living this way. Did you scare for your, were you scared for your life as such? Yeah. I mean, and were you scared for Frederico as well? Because I mean, like he never, he never was aggressive. He used to bother Federico a lot. <laughs> well, that's just being. And Federico <laughs> was getting very anxious as stressed because he used to turn on the light and turn off and go to his room and laughing about him getting very angry at him. And, and was that one of the reasons that Federico was losing his hair? Was because he was getting stressed by the situation? Exactly, he because in. he used to steal the the food from Federico play and Federico used to be, my food is my food. He used to steal food from everyone. But always constantly on the go, always doing this, you know, and always, it was no peace inside the house. It was constantly. So Federico obviously was getting very stressed and I needed to look after Federico. I needed to look after myself. So I started to, to try to find an institute where he could go and stay there. Mm. Believe me, 
Out of guilt, nothing was good for Mate. Nothing, nothing was good. But got to the point that even he wasn't allowed into a plane where I used to go to visit my family. They didn't allow him to get to the plane because they already knew him. So he was uh, he was going through it. So he so so basically they couldn't you couldn't fly with him no. because because um, if he had an episode on the plane, I mean you know things like that that they just wouldn't allow him to be on the plane. No. Wow. Okay. Oh, he always Psychic. was bothering all the passengers. They knew him. Yeah, and and also. Yes, a long story. Thanks for listening this week. Part two with Graciella will be published next week. I'm Claire Martin, and you've been listening to the Strong, Single, and Human podcast. <laughs>